This episode was brought to you by Artist Rights Agency, which helps artists receive royalty payments on works resold in the global secondary market. We help artists around the world to receive compensation for works that are resold after being purchased the first time. If you're interested, learn more and register for free at www.artistrightsagency.com. I'm Sharna Bobi, and this is a series about the stories of art makers, curators, and influencers who inspire thoughtful perspectives on the world around us. I'm passionate about how arts can stimulate open-minded conversation, and I hope these episodes challenge you to see the world in new ways. Now, before we start, subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud, and if you love this podcast, rate and leave a comment. From January 19th to March 17th this year, the Serpentine Galleries presented an exhibition by Grace Wells Bonner titled A Time for New Dreams. The exhibition presented a series of works by artists Chino Amobi, the Black Audio Film Collective, Rotimi Fani Kayode, Michael John Harper, Liz Johnson Arthur, Rashid Johnson, Kapwani Kiwanga, Klein, Laraji, Eric and Mack, Paul Mpagi Sepuya, Ben Okri, Ishmael Reed, Sahel Sounds, Samfa, and of course, Grace Wells Bonner. I sat down with curator Claude Agile to talk about the show and take a walking tour of the exhibition. Hi everyone, I'm Claude Agile. I'm the curator at large of live programs here at the Serpentine Gallery. Uh, and we're here on the occasion of Grace's exhibition, Grace Wells Bonner, A Time for New Dreams. Uh, we first worked with Grace Wells Bonner in 2015 on the occasion of the Serpentine's Transformation Marathon, where Grace staged a performance with two musicians from Burkina Faso, who were then um, drummers, who were then dressed in Wells Bonner. So that was the first time that we encountered her work that we sort of worked with her directly here at the gallery. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, we sort of have been watching um, her practice. And then, you know, it finally uh, made sense that this was the moment to sort of invite her to do an exhibition. It's the first time at the Serpentine that we've invited a fashion designer mm-hmm. to have a show. And I think it's really um, interesting to look at this moment right now where we are here in London specifically, where there are so many incredible young designers, but really what sets Grace apart from many of those other practitioners of her generation is uh, her sense of collaboration. In this episode, we get a walking tour of the Grace Wells Bonner exhibition with curator Claude Agile. And the images can be found on our Instagram page at InStudio with SO. So check it out and see the images of the works as we go along. At the entrance of the room are two daybeds, each of them individually placed on found carpets. Simultaneously referencing the exoticization of African aesthetics with Western therapeutic practices, they encourage contemplation and reflection within the exhibition. Rashid Johnson is an American artist working across painting, sculpture, photography, and video, exploring the idiosyncrasies of personal identity within a wider context of African-American intellectualism and creativity. His work often incorporates everyday material and objects, such as African shea butter, CB radios, tropical plants, 
and record covers, which conflates collective and personal histories. In Johnson's words, he hijacks the domestic in order to expand these references to the wider Black experience, while being subtle in questioning the very foundations of this experience. Through his work, Johnson also engages with the academic impact of certain Black intellectual figures throughout history. Next, to the right of the installation by Rashid Johnson is another installation of flowers by Kapwani Kiwanga with a large floral assemblage on the wall and three floral arrangements on plinths in the front. At the Serpentine, Kiwanga presents a new iteration of her ongoing series called Flowers for Africa, which was started in 2012. Here, the artist recreates floral arrangement out of flowers based on images which document an event or ceremony related to the independence of an African country. In Flowers for Africa, Kiwanga's rigorous research processes draw our attention to the prayerful nature of these floral adornments within the charged constellation of a past event. The flowers are left to wilt over the course of the exhibition, and this reactivates a certain moment in time whilst their demise traces the fading memory of a historical moment and the fragility of sovereignty. So we have four works by David Hammonds, um, and David Hammonds is an incredible artist who grew up in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and then moved to New York and has been working in New York since the 1970s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, an exhibition that's kind of looking at ideas around magic and mysticism. Mm -hmm. It's really so incredible to have works by David Hammonds um, as he kind of has germinated this whole kind of discourse around the kind of the spiritual mm -hmm. within the, the art object and kind of is working throughout his practice and kind of bringing everyday materials and realities into the exhibition space, which may often kind of be counterintuitive to sort of what is presented in mm -hmm. gallery spaces. So one of the works that we have is Money Tree, which is from 1992. It's a photograph of a tree, but if you look closely, it has um, a rubber circle that's reminiscent of a basketball net, mm -hmm. um, evoking the idea that sort of to be successful as a black man in America, you have to be a basketball star. Mm -hmm. And this idea of like fusing this kind of sense of humor, but also this stark reality of Hammonds and his work is constantly looking at um, issues of race and identity and sort of very directly addressing them, but also with a sense of irony and humor. I mean, constantly fusing natural material and immaterial um, objects as well. Another work we have is Fly Jar, which is um, a jar that has like uh, twig branches in it where you think you're going to see a real fly, but when you look closely, it's actually a zipper fly. And sort of you can, again, this sense of like confinement and entrapment, but also his wry sense of humor. Um, we've also placed a lot of the um, David Hammond's works in proximity to the Ben Oakry lines. Um, not that they were sort of written with those in mind, but we think the kind of the pairing of them next to each other is really important. And there's lots of lines that are not as visible to the eye. You also have to like look down and look up. I think this idea of kind of, you know, constantly that there's like secrets within the exhibition. Eric Mack's tactile works are made from found and pre-used fabrics, which are hung, draped, and suspended within the exhibition. Um, we have two works by Eric Mack. Um, a lesson in perspective. Uh, this is 
a work that Eric made in 2017. And you can see Eric has a background in painting, but sort of is moving beyond painting and sculpture and sort of working with textiles and this you know, interest he has in like fabric and materiality is something he shares with Grace of constantly going to thrift stores and you know, collecting and accumulating all these different fabrics, but then sort of assembling it in a way where it's sort of, it's not sculpture and it's not painting. It has this sense of like movement and rhythmicality mm -hmm. and you know, how we installed it in this space. We also really wanted to play upon this sense of theatricality and this sense of movement within the piece. You can see that there is the tent-like structure. So again, this idea of kind of having it feel like, you know, you're entering a different dimension or a different world and, you know, the boom box is playing music. Um, from Sahel Sounds, which is this online platform that promotes music from the Sahel region. Um, so again, furthering this idea of this multiplicity of voices. And we just loved the kind of then the dialogue between Eric Mack's work directly, as you can see through, to a seminal work by David Hammonds, which is Rockhead. Um, this is a the new work that Eric Mack made specifically um, in response to this space, Capitol Heights via Stretch, um, which again is looking at this idea of a tent and canopy-like structure, working with kind of this incredible um, textile and fabric, constantly remixing and restitching these sort of really rich colors where you have this feeling that you're in another world, this sense of protection, but also this kind of nomadic element of it, of the kind of also, you know, we were thinking a lot with this exhibition ideas around the artist as shaman, the writer as an oracle, and I think the kind of also, you see this sort of nomadic element in Eric's practice, but also the shelter and these deep colors. Is there any symbolism um, with regards to the types of fabrics that were used for this? Um, Eric collects, goes across like to different fabric shops in Harlem, mm -hmm. and he's constantly restitching. Um, so I think yes for him, but it's kind of it's like an assemblage. Next is an installation of photographs with a TV set in the middle. Rotimi Fani Kayode was born in 1955 and died in 1989. He arrived in Britain, aged 11, in 1966, having fled Nigeria's civil war. After coming out as gay, he left the UK and studied fine arts and photography at New York's Pratt Institute. Returning to the UK in the mid-1980s, he began exhibiting his complex and emotionally raw work. The Coyote family were the keepers of the shrine of Yoruba deities and priests of Ife. Rotimi Fani Kayode understood his cultural heritage. He did not have an identity crisis. He knew exactly what he was and what he represented and how his lifestyle and work would affect those around him. Um, we have five photographs by the late Rotimi Fani Kayode, um, who was a Nigerian photographer who fled Nigeria during the Civil War and moved to Britain and then was educated in New York um, and then came back to London as one of the founding members of Autograph Gallery. Um, and here you can see in Rotimi's work his sort of exploration of um, exploring his own sexual identity, um, exploring ideas around masculinity, which is something that Grace is sort of constantly looking at within her own collections. But then you also see the kind of inclusion of masks and fruit and instruments, um, which 
I think, furthers this idea of kind of musicality and lyricism. There's a sense of movement. These, uh, these photographs aren't stoic. They're kind of very much um, alive and have this energy to them. There's also two photographs that feature twins, and twins are very significant in Yoruba tradition, and you see them they're sort of great strength, but then also while they're playing these inter- instruments, you kind of also see a sense of their vulnerability. Um, and in her work as a designer, Grace is sort of looking at the intersection of masculinity and femininity. We also have a video um, by the Black Audio Film Collective called Twilight City, which is a film that's made up of vignettes. And I, I keep saying that it's an ode to London. Um, it's kind of comprised of these different uh, portraits to London and features a series of interviews with kind of key uh, intellectuals, um, Paul Gilroy, Gail Lewis, Homi Ababa, and again Grace is sort of always looking at these key intellectual figures and kind of structuring her worlds around them. And it's, um, it was made in 1989, but a lot of the issues that it's looking at around, you know, the city and access to healthcare and things are just as present prescient today as they are in 1989. And there's a beautiful scene in this film of Ritimi Fanacchioti dancing, so there's a nice feature of him as well. This is another work by David Hammond's The Holy Bible, which is an incredible work. Um, Quite literally, it's a black Bible that Hammonds wanted to make and kind of this idea of the sacred object of how we place meaning, whether it's a religious object or whether it's an encyclopedia, um, kind of the power of such a kind of a sacred work. But then actually when you open the Bible, um, it's in fact not a Bible, but it's the complete works of Marcel Duchamp. Um, so again, we see Hammonds' like, keen sense of humor at play, but also um, furthering this idea of kind of like authorship and the idea of the, the ready-made. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's really special. Traversing a plethora of subjects, locations, and situations, from weddings, birthdays, and nightclubs to life on the street, the Russian Ghanaian photographer Liz Johnson Arthur's images capture the nuances of daily life, bringing forth a certain magic that shifts our gaze beyond the materiality of the everyday. Um, right now we're looking at a shrine by the artist Liz Johnson Archer, who's a photographer who's been based and working in London for the past 20 years. She's an incredible photographer who's been taking images you know, of nightlife, of people on the street, of her friends. Um, but she's arranged the work in such a way of, you know, she's, um, she's very concerned with kind of how her works are presented. And when we met with her in her studio, the whole studio sort of felt like a shrine. She has these incredible notebooks filled with different photographs and texts and albums. Um, and we sort of asked her to kind of bring that spirit into the gallery space. And what you see here is an assemblage of these photographs, which are printed on different types of paper, but also then joined together with different objects that she's collected over the course of her life. And I think it's such a beautiful display and such an incredible way to kind of experience and encounter images. And as we were saying at the beginning of the importance of kind of caring to and tending to shrines, Liz has also been adding to the installation throughout the course of the exhibition. This is a very magical object in and of itself. Um, David Hammonds's rock head, 
which uh, is a stone that is kind of reminiscent of a Brancusi sculpture, which kind of is the ultimate kind of like marker of time. But then um, Hammonds has fixed hair, real hair that he's collected from barber shops in Harlem, onto the stone and sort of placed it on a plinth. So it, you know, it emphasizes the sense of like monumentality, but also it's made to resemble a face. And it's kind of the most um, absurd pairings of things, of mixing hair on rock. But then when you kind of see it, you're just completely struck by it and like, how has this never been done before? But again, this kind of idea of um, the photographer Doward Bay sort of writes very eloquently on the kind of the magic of this work and of Hammonds and his use of hair. Um, David Hammonds often talks about growing up with his stepfather who was a shaman and, you know, in the backyard constantly sort of making these different um, shrines and assemblages. And I think this is the, sort of the ultimate testament sort of of that thinking. Um, for the exhibition, Grace has made two shrines. Um, and the first shrine, which has a monitor that has two videos that feature the writer Ishmael Reed, as well as an interview with Ben Okri, um, is sort of a shrine that looks at kind of ancestry and lineage. And Grace sees it very much as a, a shrine where she's honoring those that have come before her and have enabled her to make the work that she does. So you have these two videos as well as kind of books by artists like Theester Gates. There's um, an image of James Hampton's throne, which is also a great source of inspiration for Grace. So kind of bringing together all the material and all the voices who have been an inspiration to her. And then the other shrine um, is more of a, a sound shrine that's looking at ideas around movement and rhythmicality um, and features uh, the Howard University Chamber Choir. And Grace was looking a lot at Howard University um, in the research for her collection of this idea of kind of um, Howard University, which is the historically all-black college um, in Washington, D.C., uh, sort of as this idea of fusing together like a black cultural aesthetic, a very like American cultural aesthetic with this kind of collegiate um, look. So varsity jackets, so Howard University. Um, Laraji actually attended Howard University, um, was a huge source of inspiration for her for this um, collection. So it features the Howard University Chamber Choir, as well as um, new music by the American musician Chino Amobi, um, who Grace also and I had many conversations with around the exhibition of looking at ideas of kind of of the university and ideas around brotherhood. In another room is an installation of bright orange fabric placed on the floor with golden candle holders, warm toned flowers and fruits. Here you'll hear the ambient sounds echoing through the room and into the gallery. Musician, multi-instrumentalist, mystic and laughter meditation practitioner Laraji led a series of performances and workshops throughout the opening days of the exhibition with a site-specific shrine which was realized in conversation with the designer. Informed by ideas of healing and devotional offerings, this material assemblage acted as a career of Laraji's ambient sounds. So in the first powder room, we have a sound shrine dedicated to the musician Laraji. Naraji is a musician that 
uh, is very inspirational to Grace. Um, he was discovered in the 1970s by Brian Eno. He was performing outside of Washington Square Park in New York, and then Brian asked him to contribute to his um, celebrated ambient music series. And Laraji is a musician, he's a mystic, he's a meditation leader, um, and I think with this exhibition, we also really wanted to expand the idea of magic and mysticism and spiritualism. And the Raji has um, looked a lot into Eastern mysticism. So we wanted to bring in that perspective as well. And like I was saying, it's really important sort of that um, this exhibition is a multiplicity of voices, of not just artists, but of writers, as well as musicians. So we wanted to have Laraji's sound fill the space, so the viewers who weren't able to experience his performances at the opening of the gallery have the opportunity to listen to his music throughout the course of the exhibition, and this space can be kind of a meditative space. Um, and then in consultation with Grace, Laraji and him um, designed this shrine, and it features photographs um, by the photographer Nick Sethi, um, fresh fruit, marigolds that came from India. Um, we have three works in the exhibition by the photographer Paul Sequoia. Um, Paul and Grace have collaborated before and Paul actually introduced Grace to the work of Rutimi Fanny Coyote. Um, and Paul is also interested um, in ideas of archiving and sort of the presentation of one's uh, identity. But in his work, you can see that the body is very much removed. So we really wanted to end on this work, which sort of features a curtain that's draping. Um, and you, this sense of kind of that you're entering a portal and entering in this different dimension. So really wanted to feel like, okay, you have the like opacity to go into this different space. And another one of the works also features a mirror, and kind of in Haitian voodoo, the importance of mirrors um, is very important. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this walking tour of the Grace Wells Bonner exhibition at the Serpentine Gallery. Many thanks to curator Claude Agile for taking the time to walk us through the exhibition and for giving us an explanation of the curatorial perspective. This episode was brought to you by Artist Rights Agency, which helps artists receive royalty payments on works resold in the global secondary market. We help artists around the world to receive compensation for works that are resold after being purchased the first time. If you're interested, learn more and register for free at www.artistrightsagency.com. I'm Sharna Bovey, and you've been listening to In Studio, the podcast. If you love this episode, remember to leave us a comment and tell us how you liked it. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. If you'd like to find us on social media, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at In Studio with SO. Join me next week for another episode of In Studio with Sharna Bovey. Thank you for listening.